Hello and welcome to Friday Formula, a weekly motorsport podcast where this week we're going to pull out of the racing line, activate attack mode and use all of our energy to try and take the lead. I'm Owen Bellwood and as always I'm joined by Will Longman. How are you doing this week, Will? I'm good, thank you. I'm hoping that, well, the attack mode that happened in the last Formula E race seemed to be a lot of crashes every time they moved back into the racing line, wasn't it? Or am, am I, I hope the podcast doesn't go like that. Yeah, fingers crossed we're not going to crash spectacularly and have to retire. But who knows? <laughs> this could be the last podcast. It could, it, this could be it. Um, well, we're so close to 20 episodes, though. Ah, uh, well, maybe we'll do like a finale. Or we'll do a comeback episode in a year's time and that can be our 20th episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, can be our encore. <laughs> <laughs> But how are you? Because you, you've done a Formula E intro after you were at your first Formula E race. Yeah, uh, it was it was a very exciting weekend. Uh, so Formula E was in New York for rounds 10 and 11 of its inaugural World Championship year. And they offered out tickets to people that lived in New York. And we were lucky enough to snag a few because it was it was a really tiny little grandstand area where people were able to sit and could come in. So it was not many tickets at all. I'm not sure like what the capacity was, but it was seemed like a nice little mm. intimate affair, you could say, I guess. But it was a great little day. Like, hands down, favourite way to spend a Sunday in New York so far. So I would strongly recommend. Uh, but we thought, as I'd been to the race, it would be a good little opportunity to talk a little bit more about Formula E, which is something that we both quite like and what it's actually like in person and how it compares to other races in the flesh. I didn't watch the Formula E races this weekend because I had other things on the agenda. But I did I did have questions that I wanted to ask you about what being a Formula E race is like because we went to our first Formula 1 race in 2019 which seems like ages ago. And like we were well up for it like we we went to a different part of the world to go and see this race, whereas you've got to go and see a, a motor race just down the road from your apartment, which is a bit a bit mad, really. It, it, it is a bit weird, though, because we've only been here a little while, so it does still feel like holiday okay. mode. So it kind of does have a little bit of like, a, I'm still on holiday, I can go watch the races kind of vibe. But it was really cool to be able to, like, we could have just got a boat for like half an yeah. hour to get there. We got the train in the end because it was yeah. quicker. But um, like you could, you can see where the race is quite easily. And like I've been volunteering at a park, and while I was there volunteering, you can see the Formula E track across the river. It's really cool to be so close to stuff like that. Uh, but it was, it did feel very different to when we went mm-hmm. to the Formula One. I think a lot of that is to do with it being in the middle of a pandemic, and it was a much smaller crowd. But it was kind of like a little. Little condensed race weekend. Is Formula E like in the consciousness of America? Because like Formula One is trying to get a foothold there, so I feel like Formula E would well, struggle. But then you've got a race in the middle of it's in Brooklyn, wasn't it? Like, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. So it's in it's in Red Hook, and it's like on the edge of Brooklyn. It's where the cruise terminal is. So you've got like behind where the grandstand was, you can see the Manhattan skyline, and then like basically behind where the podium was you could see the Mm -hmm. statue of liberty so you've got like all the sights but i kind of thought the same thing going in but then everyone that was there seemed like really excited 
and like loads of people were decked out in merch. And then since going, there's two people I've spoken to that have been like, oh, were you at that race that was on at the weekend? Okay. And they're like people that I didn't really know were interested yeah. in motorsport, but they knew it was going on. I guess because they live in New York, they've seen the like billboards and it was like a whole Times Square thing. Well, I guess that's one of the beauties of Formula E because Formula One do like a couple of those like street events, the F1 Live things. I think I, I mm. actually got a mem- had a memory on my phone the other day. Four years ago this week, I went to the one in Trafalgar Square. So that's like mm. shut the middle of London down and everyone's gone like, oh, what's going on there? And I think F1 have done one in, they did one in Hollywood a couple of years ago, didn't they? Yeah. But I guess when you actually have a race taking place in the middle of the city, then there is quite a lot of buzz, mainly because people might be disrupted, but they actually know what's going on. So the race here isn't like in Monaco where they like close down the whole town. It is, I think it's only like one road that actually gets closed, maybe two, and the rest is around the cruise terminal. So it's in sort of like unused space. So it's not quite as much of a disruption, which I guess makes sense because there's a lot more people driving around New York than Monaco. But it seems like it's a little bit more in the consciousness because there's been like posters up in quite a lot of places. Uh, Formula E released a video of them like driving around Times Square. So cool. And that's been doing the round quite a lot. Uh, and there were side billboards in Times Square with it on. And I do kind of get the impression that America is quite a big market for Formula E. And like they've just announced next year's calendar and there's going to be a race in Vancouver as well as the New York one. So it's like two North America events that are... Yeah kind of hoping to target this demographic where like electric cars are quite a big point of interest. Yeah, well, kind of as you were saying that, I was thinking like, why hasn't or when will it be that we move away from, you know, like petrol car manufacturers trying to make the transition into electric or even like McLaren are going to join, aren't they, with their first kind of electric Mm. offering and have companies like Tesla develop a car? Like surely they should, if they want some publicity and some excitement around it, it would be a good move for them. I, I've always kind of thought that was quite interesting about the teams that are involved in Formula E. Like the biggest ones, biggest constructors would be like Porsche and Audi that are both only just brought out their own electric car. Right. And then Neo is a Chinese uh, car manufacturer as well. But I find it odd that there isn't like a Tesla team. I guess it's because it's, it is a stock chassis and they wouldn't maybe be able to put their own technology in it as much it's like the aerodynamics of some of the components of the teams can change which is not something that a company like tesla is going to be as much of an expert in as someone uh, like mclaren that are working with the batteries and uh, the powertrains over the coming years yeah i guess i guess that would be a better move for them wouldn't it a bit like shell are developing biofuels for formula one which you will end up seeing at petrol pumps like Tesla mm. have got loads of work about the batteries in their cars and how they expand them. So if they came on as a mm. partner, you know, developing bigger batteries or lighter batteries, it's what like Formula One is like an innovation ground, isn't it? That you see move into, mm. into customer cars. That it would be cool to see a big old company like Tesla or Elon Musk or whoever move into that round because you've got Richard Branson in Formula E, don't you? So Exactly. It is attracting... It's interesting that Formula E is the sport that's attracting new teams to it, whereas like, there's not been a new manufacturer in Formula One for... Four years? It was four years ago. Pass. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. 
Something about um, being at the the race this weekend is that there was the they have this Allianz E Village, which is where they kind of would have like the merch, the food, the like chill out areas and stuff. And I think if you go to a normal event, that's quite a big part of the experience. And they have like ABB, which is the title sponsor. They're quite involved in electrification and um, charging networks. And I think they have quite a big presence at those where they kind of show how they're promoting electrification. And then with Porsche being a team, there was a Porsche uh, Taycan, which is their electric car on the circuit. But I think they would normally have a presence in that. Whereas when we went, because it was a much smaller affair, it was just like a little information area where you could ask them some questions about electric motor racing and how it's promoting the future. There was like a few photo ops and then a couple of videos playing, showing how they're like wanting to, what is it that they say? They're kind of like sustainably charged Yeah, is their slogan, yeah. I think. How that kind of relates to normal people, because I think that's the thing a lot of people think about Formula E and Formula One. The cars look quite alien and it's like, how is that possibly related to, especially in America where everyone drives enormous pickup trucks? Yeah. Like most of the cars driving around in New York could fit a Formula E car in the back of them. Yeah. It's, it's mad. But then actually in like 10 years time, you're going to be driving what's closer to a Formula E car as your, your standard car than you are a Formula One car. Yeah. Which I'm quite excited about because they sound like spooky ghosts. Well, that 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 moves on to yeah, what actually happened when you were in your in your seat during the race, and were you? What was there? Did anything take you by surprise? Was it what you were expecting? What the the sound really took me by surprise. Like because I've watched loads of Formula E races on TV, and they sound like different, which you'd expect because they don't have an engine. But they're so much quieter in real life. Like, you can actually hear the tyres squealing wow. more than the car itself. Because we were on like sat on like turn four, which was a really good spot to be sat in because a lot of cars would take turn three quite wide and then crash into the barrier in front of us. <laughs> so every now and then you just hear this thud. Um, but then as they were going into turn four, you'd hear the tyres squealing as you saw the back end go out a bit. But then when you got a pack of like, four or five cars together, they'd be like, <laughs> it was, it is brilliant. I, I loved it. <laughs> I guess it's like being at a go-kart track or something where you hear the tires like screech because mm. it, well, yeah, there's no engines. Yeah. It was like the complete polar opposite. Whereas when we went to the formula one, you just heard the roar of the engine here. You could like, you'd hear a squeal and be like, Oh, they've not taken that corner very well. And you'd see the back end kicking out of it. And then, in the case of like Mitch Evans, who uh, he clonked the wall and I think he shredded a tire or something and then he got overtaken. So you saw him, his, heard his tire squeal, saw him wiggle out and then saw him getting past. Wow. So it was really interesting being able to kind of see, hear the mistakes and see how they impacted yeah. on, on track. But um, yeah, so the race itself was, it was, a, it was a decent race. We, I like Sam Bird. He's, He's my driver of choice. So I was pretty happy that he was starting on pole. And he basically pulled out quite a lead quite quickly, which when they're all in not exactly spec cars, but very similar machines, I wasn't really expecting. And like they ended up really spread out, which 
when you're on 45 minutes plus a lap, you were kind of, I didn't expect people to be getting nearly lapped. Yeah. So that was a bit of a shock. Like when we went to the Formula One, do you remember how quickly the cars would come round? Yeah, so here it was a much shorter circuit. And when we first got there, it was like, they'd all go past and then you'd wait for a bit and then they'd all go past again. But as the race went on, there was kind of a constant you could uh, see the gap, barrage, you could see the gap kind of forming. You could, see that you could really see yeah. the gap forming, yeah. So that was an interesting point that I hadn't really expected. When we went to Formula One, like I found it quite tricky to keep up with what was going on. I think I had my phone out when we were like keeping score on that, but we weren't really near a TV. Um, but we got by. And if I'm watching Formula E on the TV and kind of see someone pulling a gap, the first thing I think of is he's using too much energy. Like, this is going to come mm-hmm. back and bite him in the arse. And, you know, it's a strategy. You know, he, he's playing a game here. Something might happen later on in the race. Mm-hmm. Could you keep on top of that in the grandstands? Was it easy to... I know you had the big screens in front of you, but was it easy to, like, look at the strategy and what was going on? Not so much. Like I did the same. They have a live timings on the Formula E website, so you can see the position of everyone on the track and how much energy they've got. And like with the big screens, they tended to just show like the gap, so they didn't have that same energy usage mm-hmm. graphic, so you couldn't see how much people were using. Um, but I went with my partner, who's like watched the odd bit, but wasn't an expert. So we'd done like a little bit of reading up before and. She was still like getting excited about it and was like asking those kind of same questions, being like, Oh, if he's pulling out ahead, doesn't that mean that he's just using more energy? And then we got into talking about like the regenerative braking. And that was actually something they said. They were like, other oh, people in the grandstands will be able to hear the difference when people are regen braking. Which I don't really understand. I don't think I heard the difference. <laughs> but they were like, listen out for it's like a, apparently it's like a slightly lower note or something as they come into a corner if they're regen breaking. Okay. Which it's just another weird thing that you wouldn't get if you had a screaming V10 engine yeah. in the back of the car. Well, that was going to be one of the other things. I think you kind of answered it. But when we were at a Formula One race, we could not for the life of us talk to each other until the cars were on the other side of the the, the lap. Was it easy? Like, could you we just have a chat at like normal volume? Yeah. Like that is it's bizarre. Like, oh, yeah. Because on on the TV they seem to make that kind of whirring mm-hmm. sound like a motor turning, don't they? And it does sound quite loud. But they must have a lot of sound guys working on that. Yeah, it definitely was seemed quieter in real life than it does on TV. And it was like I wouldn't say it was any louder than like the roads around here. Yeah. But yeah, the noise was definitely the takeaway, how like quiet it was, yeah. but also how spooky. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think the cars look so cool. Like they look like if you were to draw a race car from the future, yeah. that's what they'd look like. And then to pair that with this kind of whirring, screeching noise, it does have like a element of the Batmobile about it, I think. That's what you want from a race car really, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. What's the Batmobile? Something that looks cool on your wall. <laughs> I hope. I hope that they open up London to some fans and see if it being inside makes any difference as well, and maybe condenses the noise a little bit. Inside will especially be cool because the the halos light up uh, when cars have gone through attack mode, 
So if it's inside and it's a bit darker, you'll see that kind of flashing away. Yeah. And then they've got the recovery light on the back. They like, I would 100% recommend anyone that's interested in racing to try and go to a Formula E event because like we were sat on one corner and we saw people lining up moves there and we saw like the aftermath of crashes. So there was one of the Rocket Venturi cars had someone's rear diffuser stuck in its nose for like most of the race. <laughs> so you could just see all these weird things that happened further round. And then we like Googled them when we got back and we're like, oh, that's what, that's whose rear end it was. That's what happened. It was, it was a lot of fun. And like the atmosphere of the village seemed like not quite as serious. Like there was a brass band playing yeah. and there was like, it was like real local street food. They were all, little cafes that had got like pop-ups in the village uh, and there was a formula e car that you could get a picture with and like free t-shirts and things it was just like a really nice racing experience and i would definitely recommend people try and go it out. sounds like that is the difference like formula e is pitching itself as more fun you know one mm. you know it's not as fast like they they know that but on track in 45 minutes, you can have so much more action than you can in a, well, in a series of 2020 Formula One races. I can't say that about this year necessarily, but they clearly are aware of that and they know what they're doing until maybe they get a little bit faster in the years to come. Yeah. And like, it's got things like fan boost as well. Quite a nice way to just, like we, I've never voted in fan boost, but this weekend we did because we were going along and we wanted Sam Bird to win. So. Yeah. Did he get fan boost? Uh, he did, yes. So you helped him win? I did help him win. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting how it's such a new sport, how they've put all these elements in to bring an audience. Like when Fandrews first started, I'm pretty sure you had to like tweet afterwards to show that you'd voted. Okay. And that just shares it with people that might not have heard of it. And they're like, what's Formula 3? I'll go and watch that. Yeah. But I had like people back home messaging me afterwards being like, oh, you were at a race in the middle of New York. What's what's that about? Just because I put it on Instagram and it's yeah, it's quite it's a good talking point and obviously it isn't the case that Formula E cars are going to be for sale and people can buy them, but it's quite an interesting showcase of electric vehicles and what they can do. It feels like it's really grown into the last like five or six years. It was a bit it was a bit under the radar the first couple of years wasn't mm. it? when it was so slow. And I think, and when they had to change cars halfway yeah. through, and now it's being treated, it's being marketed a lot better. I think part of that is where they're putting on the races. Part of it is treating it like a bit, you know. I think even just the attitudes towards electric cars over the last five years have become a lot more serious, and that translates into the racing being taken more seriously. Yeah, hundred percent. It'll be really interesting to see how it how it grows, and how because there's, there's teams that have been in since the start now. And then there's talk of a few teams pulling out. So who will step in to replace them and what kind of marks will be attracted to the sport and what kind of brands will want to associate themselves with it? Because obviously Formula One is so tightly knit with things like Heineken and Rolex mm. and Pirelli, whereas Formula E's got to kind of find its own. Yeah, and even with the teams that it's attracting, you know, recently Mercedes have joined it. Um, you've got Porsche, who are... No, a mm. massive car brand and it's not just these private teams anymore um like venturi and well i mean i'd never heard of neo before formula e but you know good for them 
Now, I only found out that they were a car manufacturer at like the beginning of this year. Really? I was always just like, what's needed? I didn't, I didn't really know either. But, you know, proves it was proof that it works. Yeah, exactly. I must say, though, the uh, the Dragon livery looks excellent in real life. Yeah. Yeah, it's like matte white and then chrome red. Ooh. It was slick. I liked it. That is one of the nice things about being a race. I know a lot of people at Goodwood who were seeing cars from F1 2021 were seeing them like for the first time. But you do have a mm. completely different appreciation for what they look like. Like the Aston Martin is the one that's kind of come under fire a yeah. bit. People are saying that it looks really nice in person, yeah. but on the TV, it gets a bit lost. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I could say the same about a certain car that was revealed today. Looking, I can't imagine that looks very nice in person. So Formula One unveiled their idea of what 2022 is going to look like. And it's basically a, a, an upscaled model of what they unveiled in 2019. I think at the US Grand Prix, they had a little model of a car that would fit the new regulations. Uh, and now they've gone and built a dummy version, which I was hoping would have an engine in it. Yeah, I kind of thought that was the point. It was going to drive. Yeah, it would make sense if they put it. I guess there's a lot more they've got to put in to a, a dummy version for the sake of like three laps at Silverstone. <laughs> but yeah, they built this dummy version. There wasn't any information about kind of who built it. I do kind of wish... Did you watch the, the launch video they did? Yeah. What did you think? I wanted to know a bit more about it. Like, why is it a certain shape? And like, there's been a lot of talk about, is it or isn't it going to have DRS? And that's like still not been confirmed. Yeah. There were a few like little tweaks that I kind of noticed on this version to the one that was unveiled in 2019, like the flaps over the wheels seem to have shrunk mm -hmm. a bit but something that a lot of people seem to either like misunderstand or be very keen to point out is that this isn't actually what any team is going to drive so the cars that teams come up with could have their own little yeah. tweaks and differences it's not the case that like an indie car where they have a chassis that everyone drives that isn't what this is no. it's just an interpretation of the wheels. but i think that is where this whole launch kind of let itself down a little bit because clearly it's a very basic car, which is a weird sentence to say about a Formula One car. But during the, the press conference they did when they kind of launched the, the new regulations, they did a really good job of kind of talking about specific parts of the car and saying, here are two designs of side pods that both mm. fit the regulations. Here are two designs of uh, front wings that both fit the regs. Uh, here are two diffusers that would both fit. And you're like, okay, wow, there's a lot of scope here to play with. Mm. And pushing like one car doesn't really do much. Like, No, and it seems so weird to be pushing it now. Like we've not even got to the summer break. Yeah. And we've still got a whole, basically a whole season to go. And also the name. Why is it Formula 1-1? Yeah, it's it, Formula One. One begins. I didn't understand that at all. What's the one? One begin because maybe they'd already come up with that when it was going to launch in twenty twenty one, but they were just like, "I'll stick to it." But I just do they mean one as in like the royal one? Like I also they did all these like light effects before for like ten minutes, and it was like, "Oh, what's it going to look like?" Oh, and then they did like the lights out. They did the five lights came up, and then the lights came off. 
and then you still had to wait two minutes before they actually bought the car out. I'm like, this is too much. And then they were like, we have a live music performance. And it was two DJs. It's like, that's not... I like Jungle. Yeah, fine. But like, it wasn't the most visually exciting performance they had. And all of the the interviews were pre-staged. And I would have preferred like a, a press conference where like journalists could ask questions about it. What What did you think to the look of the car though? I, I think it, it looks like a cool race car. I like how it's a little bit simpler. And like kids at school that are doodling Formula One cars are going to, it's going to be easier for them to draw something now than it is, you know, I, I can't imagine trying to draw like the McLaren and all the little bits it's got on the side. And like, I like that about it. It's mm. sleeker. I like the front wing. I like how the nose is a lot more connected to to, to the wing elements of it. You disagree with uh, Carlos Sainz's thought that he likes it from the front wheels back. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Don't understand why he doesn't like the no. nose. I quite like the rear wing as well. How it it is like one it's piece. It's got that kind of swoosh. Yeah, I really like that. And again, it's an opportunity lost for them to put loads of little divots and cuts and and things in it. And hopefully, they lose DRS. I'm sure there will be ways that. The actual cars we see next year end up looking a bit more complicated and teams find ways to like tweak the regs and add extra bits but yeah it looks it looks like when you try and draw a formula one car yeah which i like but that's why it was a bit pointless because there are only like 10 drawings of formula one cars i really care about and they're all the ones that are going to be released in like february and march when the actual cars get revealed because that's where you can say that's a little bit different or that's that's interesting or yeah. What did you think to the livery that they uh, uh, put it on? It was so bad. It was awful. I hated it. That's a strong reaction. It, what? Why did you hate it? So? I didn't mind the chrome element to it, but I didn't like the rainbow element to it. The, like the holographic nature? Yeah, I just thought it was very ugly. Right, mm. You liked it, didn't you? I can tell. I... I liked the holographicness because I really don't like the matte cars apart from the Red Bull. The Red Bull's the one exception. So I'm hoping it like comes with a stipulation in the regs that all cars have to be shiny from now on. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just think they look better. And like when we did our talk about um, Hungary a couple of weeks ago and we watched the race back where you had the Toro Rosso that had the chrome blue and silver yeah that that livery just looks so slick i want everyone to be shiny and chrome again there are some cars are like shiny some cars are like matte like i prefer the ferrari in a matte red than when it was super shiny it's just got to be so red and i think shiny makes it even more red one day you're going to become head of formula one and you're going to sit down and be like new regulations all the cars are shiny i resign yeah <laughs> i would bring that rule in it's meant to be um aerodynamic isn't it it's not meant to be purely a design feature there are meant to be benefits i thought it was weight oh maybe it was to do with the weight of the paper like the shiny coat you have to yeah on top. but it could be aerodynamics as well I think, yeah it's probably reasons for it but i think red bull is the only one that pulls it off like anyone else. do you think this might be an opportunity for red bull to um start a clean slate on their car livery design seeing as they've had the same design for like 10 years. Yeah, maybe. Well, they do kind of, like the livery they've got now has been like their turbo hybrid livery. 
and then they had a slightly different livery with Seb when he was winning all his titles. Yeah, it was a bit more purple, wasn't it? So maybe they have one for each era. So they might come out with just a chrome with a one single red ball on it. <laughs> That's what they're going to go for. Or they'll go completely orange for Max Verstappen. This year's new car was unveiled at Silverstone in a very glitzy press conference style event. And Silverstone is the next race we're at. So are you excited to be back in Britain for the British Grand Prix Will? Ah, uh, yeah. I think, you know, it's a great track. It's one, of, it's one of the great tracks. It's delivered some brilliant races over the last couple of years, especially last year's two races. Yeah. Um, well, actually, no. The first 50 laps of the British Grand Prix were poor, and then it burst into life when everyone's tyres started bursting. But, you know, I think it'll be exciting with a new format, which uh, I won't be able to watch because I'll be at a wedding. But I think having qualifying on a Friday night will be fun. I didn't realise it was like Friday night qualifying. Going to look for the times and it's not until like the afternoon for me. Yeah, they've moved it to 6pm so that people can get home from work or school, which I think is a nice idea. Yeah, it makes sense because it's the kind of thing that people are going to want to watch. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a waste having qualifying on a Saturday afternoon. Because, well, not a waste, but like if you're an avid follower and you want to watch every minute of every session, then your weekend's just gone. Mm. Whereas I quite like, you know, when we go back to normal, have FP1 and you do all your quali runs in FP1, then do quali, and then do FP2 and FP3. Don't worry about park fermi. Like, just get rid of it. It doesn't matter. Why, why do you need it? Well, because you might have like a setup that's really quick and then one that's really good for the race distance. Cool, let everyone do that. What's, what's the problem? Oh, yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> anyway, are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I still don't. Like, I still feel like there needs to be a difference between the sprint race finish and the Grand Prix start. Like, it kind of feels like they're just pausing the race for 24 hours. Yep. But I like that there's like the free choice of tyres. That might make it quite interesting. Uh, it's going to be fun having an extra, basically an extra day of racing action because I can watch the qualifying with my lunch tomorrow and then the sprint qualifying on Saturday and then the race on Sunday. I definitely am excited to see what happens and I think it's good that they're trying something new. I kind of feel like there'll be some tweaks that they iron out in this one because they're doing it at three races, aren't they? Yeah, they reckon Monza will be the next one. Yeah, so I feel like there'll maybe be some alterations between now and then. Yeah. But I'm excited that there's going to be like wreaths given out to the top three in the yeah, sprint race. they're doing a little lap of honour. Mm-hmm. It's nice that they're like making it into a bit more of a deal. Yeah. Like rather than just being like, oh, it's just, just a little race. It's nice that there's kind of some fanfare around it. They're trying to market it, aren't they? And they've they kind of in their press release this week they said that it's going to be akin to twenty twenty cricket. Okay. For me, the problem with that is that twenty twenty cricket has a winner. Although they did also launch, and this has gone a little bit under the carpet. There, there is a sprint series championship. What's that? Crypto.com sponsor the F one sprint series, where they're gonna, I guess, have a winner whoever gets the most points out of. The three oh, sprint the three. races, yeah. That's interesting. Like, that would make sense if it was for a whole year. But three races. You you could easily not have a winner. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing the difference in lap times between the sprint race and the Grand Prix. 
mm-hmm. and seeing how far people are actually pushing it or if they are sitting back. And like, if some of the teams sit back, some of the teams at the front sit back, are teams like Haas and Williams going to turn their wrenching up and try and go for it on Saturday rather than Sunday? Like, if they do that, like, if George Russell qualifies in Q3 on Friday, but then decides to go all out on Saturday and no one else does, is he going to push himself even further up the grid? This is something I've been thinking about. Like, there's people like Williams that tend to be quite good at qualifying and they come out kind of extracting as much as they possibly can and end up doing really well. But then sometimes their race pace isn't quite as good. Mm. So how is this new format going to affect them if, like, they put in everything, qualify, like, fourth for the sprint race, but then in the sprint race, because they're not as good in race pace, drop down to, like, seventh? Yeah. Like, is this going to not aid certain teams, but how are the teams going to react to having qualified really well, done a little race, drop down, and then have to do the main race further back? Mm. I don't know. It's opened so many doors. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in a strategist's meeting over the mm. weekend, just deciding what they're going to do. Yeah, especially because like tyre choice just seems like a free-for-all now. You can use whatever you want, whenever you want. You don't have to pit on Saturday. You've yeah. got to pit once on Sunday. It hopefully will bring about a nice mix and a bit more, a bit more of that. There was a question I had this afternoon, which I had answered by Sam Collins. He tweeted me, mm. which I was very... He tweeted me like half an hour before the launch thing that he was involved in. So I was like, I don't think that's live. So a question for you. If a driver picks up a three-place grid penalty in qualifying, mm-hmm. which race does it get applied to? Which race should it be applied to? Qualifying on Friday? On Friday? I would have said surely it's the main race on Sunday. Yeah. Because that's where the points are that you're playing for and that's what the penalty should detract from. But then what is qualifying on Friday for? You're not... Wow, yeah, I guess so. I guess if you have a... Mis- it's like qualifying for qualifying, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there are no penalties you get for qualifying, are there? You don't get a penalty that is like, you get half a second added to your qualifying time. No, exactly. It's quite... It's kind of annoying that there's all these questions around it still. But it's quite nice, that uncertainty, and you're like, what is going to happen? Yeah. Well, like, adding to that, if you push someone off the track on Saturday in the sprint race, hmm. do you get a five-second penalty or do you get a three-place grid penalty? I would have assumed that any penalty on Saturday has to be for Sunday. Yeah, so they're not going to give anyone a drive-through during the race. So I would assume not, but yeah. like a drive, I guess a drive-through would have like the same implications because if you got a time penalty in the race, then you're likely to get overtaken by someone and drop a place on the grid. Yeah, that's true. It's just interesting to see how it will all happen in practice. Like, I hope the FIA aren't sat there having the same conversation we're having on Thursday afternoon. <laughs> like, so what do we do? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would have thought any penalty has to hinder your race rather than your sprint qualifying. Yeah. Because only three people can get points in the sprint qualifying. Which then, I guess, begs the question, what is the point? well what is the point I I wish uh, I just wish I wish this wasn't the only experiment they were doing this year we had a conversation about sprint qualifying in its own episode but let's add uh, Kieran qualifying or whatever it was we discussed with the cycling 
Yeah. Uh, and let's add like one lap qualifying and do all of them. What was it we called it? Pursuit qualifying. Pursuit qualifying. <laughs> that Brilliant. was it. Yeah. You can listen to that episode wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> but like, let's do one of them at Spa. Like, well, especially going into a new era into 2022 and we still don't know what the qualifying might be and whether they want to do sprint qualifying like add some more to the mix give it a go like let's try a few things out this is why i think something i've got to change between the three experiments because there's no not really any point just trying the same thing three times yeah you need to mix it up and find out which one works best yeah that's very true i don't know it's just Quite exciting because there's like some drivers that are better in the start of a race and can wiggle their way through the pack. So how are they going to do? And then there's others that tend to save a bit of their like momentum for the end of the race when they catch people down. And if you've only got it's like 17 laps or something, I think. Isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, if the, if the safety car comes out, you're going to lose a quarter of the race. Yeah. Which again begs the question: What is the point? What's the point? <laughs> But I guess as there are three sessions, does this mean we have to do three predictions? Oh, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Who's on pole for sprint qualifying? Who wins sprint qualifying and who's on the podium? Okay, yeah, let's do that. Okay. Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen. (laughs) (laughs) I would agree Max Verstappen's on pole for the sprint race. Yeah, I think he'll take pole on Friday. And I think he'll take pole on Saturday as well. I'm going to say that Hamilton is going to jump him in the sprint race and win it. Yeah. And then... And then on Sunday, who are the three podium sitters or standers? Sergio Perez, Lando Norris, Carlos Sainz. Screw it, why not? I was going to say Lando Norris. I'm going to say Lando, Valtteri, Lewis. Lando winning? No. That was reverse. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Lando Lando gets a podium at... Silverstone, uh, that'll be better than Lewis winning, I think. People will be more excited about that. Lando gets a podium. George gets announced at Mercedes. There's still time. So that was our kind of overarching thoughts on Formula E, 2022 Formula One, and this weekend's British Grand Prix. We'd love to hear your predictions of what you think is going to happen in sprint qualifying, who you think might get pole, who you think might win the race. Uh, you can do that on Twitter. Get in touch with the show at Friday Formula. Or you can reach out to each of us individually. I am at Owen underscore Bellwood. And Will, you are at Will Longman. We would absolutely love to hear your thoughts on the race uh, and anything else you think about over the weekend. Just shout. If you would like to hear a slightly more condensed version of the show that also features our faces, we run this on YouTube as well. Head to YouTube and search Friday Formula. You can find all our old episodes there, including one that was dedicated to the sprint qualifying and different qualifying formats that might be interesting to look at. So that's definitely worth a listen ahead of the weekend. But that is everything from us this week. We will be back next Friday for another episode. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye.